0: Man, I am so, so happy to be here. I'm so happy that you're here and you chose to be with us. You could have been anywhere in the county or in any of the 300 churches or anywhere else that you chose to be. But today, you chose to be with us. We're talking about our irresistible family. And I don't know about you, but my family, my personal family is not always irresistible. (laughs) You might not be able to say that about your family either. But something about the family of God, where God takes people from all different cultures and creeds and languages and socioeconomic statuses and brings them together as the body of Christ. There's something, when that is clicking, when that is working, that's irresistible. And so today, we're going to do a little exercise. Remember last week, if you you were joining us for the first time today, we're glad you're here, this is week two of our series. Last week, uh, our worship leader, don't you love our band and our worship team? They do a great, great job. Last week, we talked about rhythm and how when we gather in the big room, when we gather with the big group, when we grow big together, that we come together for vision and mission and to get our marching orders from God and what He wants us to do and get clear on that. So, Dustin, he sat in the drum cage and he, he, he patted, he rat a tat tatted out a beat for us that we could clap to, and then he did one that we couldn't clap to. And we talked about rhythm last week. But then I got to thinking about that and I thought, well, I'm not even, Dustin is so gifted. After all, he's an App State grad, right? He's so gifted that maybe he doesn't need a band. So, this morning, I asked him if he could, Dustin, could you go over and play something on the keyboard and your guitar at the same time for us? Okay? If you haven't noticed, he plays us about everything. So we, we put him different places, different weeks, depending on how good he looks. If he's really not having a good hair day, we put him back in the drum cage. Because hair is really important in our team here. You know that, right? So, Dustin, I want you to kind of give us a good rhythm again this week. And, and I think you can do it by yourself. So, so give it a shot. Keyboard, guitar. Okay, okay, son, just hold on just a minute. I think I overshot it just a little bit. He's gifted, but the boy ain't that good, right? I think he needs a band. If we're going to have any kind of rhythm where we can move together, where we can clap together, where we can dance together and sing together, we're going to have to have the whole band. We're going to need a band together. So I'm going to ask James Bricky in our and our drum cage, that maybe we can clap to and we can follow Come on, clap with us. We will will rock you. No, I'm just kidding. Here we go. His brother's going to come in with the bass. Justice. Keep your clapping going. Let's go. Bring it up a notch. Come on. Got Shredder joining in on the electric guitar. Shredder. feet tapping already. I can see it. I can hear it. We have but breaking up into small bands during the week. We call it life group. We call it smaller groups together meeting for the purpose of life change to study the Bible to develop friendships to kind of we come here on Sunday morning to kind of get our marching orders from the word and then in the week we meet in small groups in what we call life groups because we live life together to try to figure out how to dance together how to make What we learn on Sunday come to reality in life, in our life. And sometimes we do sermon-based series. Sometimes some of you are doing some other series right now. But the point is we come together during the week in smaller groups so that we can learn how to make the music happen that we learn about in the big groups. So we're growing big, and we got a, a good crowd this morning. I'm so thankful for you being here with us. I got these new glasses a few weeks ago. They don't have really a bridge on it. And they keep fogging up when I get excited and get hot over there baptizing people. So if you look better than usual this morning, my glasses are fogged up. Uh, So today we want to talk to you about going small, not just going big, but going small. A small group can help us learn the music, learn to beat, and how to live it out together, how to live out our purpose, our vision, and our mission together in smaller groups. Because after all... We really cannot get to know, even in this room, we probably this morning in this room got maybe just over 200 people in this room. We got maybe 50 kids over there in the the Sea kids area, but you're not going to get to know 250 people on a Sunday. You're not going to become best friends with all these people. It's just not possible. And we say often as pastors, we love every one of you, but we can't minister to each one of you. We just, there's not enough of us. There's not enough time, not enough hours in the day. So we want you to connect with a few people that you become friends with and that you live life together and you study the Bible together and you learn to dance together and you learn to cry together and weep together and celebrate together and pray for jobs and all those things together during the week. So that we're talking about connecting in a big way on Sundays and in smaller ways during the week. Now, I know what some of you are thinking already. Some of you are probably thinking already, the last time I really risked it and I kind of became vulnerable, I got hurt. I got burned. Somebody maybe talked a little bit too much somewhere else, and, and I didn't really want them to say all the things that they said and... They hurt me deeply, and they wounded me, and or somebody got mad at me, or whatever, and and that is the reality. That can happen sometimes. It's going to happen when we're human beings who are flawed. And we often say to people who come from other churches, and some of you have come from other churches, we're so glad to have you. But you need to understand if you came from other churches because you got hurt, you need to understand you're probably going to get hurt here too, because we're we're flawed people too. We're not perfect. So really, you really have a choice. You can become cynical and isolate yourself. So we're talking about isolation. You can become cynical and hold back and reserve and not let anybody in. Some of you, even some of you watching online are there. Maybe that's why you don't even come on Sunday because it's kind of risk-free to watch on Sunday, but... To come here, there's a little bit of risk. To go to life groups during the week is a little bit more risky. So you have a choice. And the choice really is between becoming cynical and isolationist. You just isolate yourself from everybody, even your family. They, they can't really get into your bubble because you just don't want to risk it. So you isolate yourself. Or you can open yourself up to relationships by being vulnerable. In our life group, we talk about not everything because, okay, we got the big group on Sunday. We got life groups during the week. And then, like Jesus, you, you and I, we have our best friends. And our best friends are the people that we let in really, really the deepest part of our life, maybe. Just maybe there's a person. That's next week. We're going to talk about that next week. But this week, we're talking about letting a few people, maybe 10 or 12 people, into your life to a deeper degree than we do on Sunday so you can build friendships, so that you can talk about the mission and purpose, so you can share struggles. And In our life group, we share a lot of things together. And, and the thing that I find so fascinating all the time is that once somebody starts sharing and you think this is my deep dark secret that I, I'm sharing with a group, this is something that I'm comfortable enough, uh, enough to share with 10 or 12 people, that people across the room is sitting in the Lazy Boy across from you, they, they like, you know what? I went through that very same thing with my family. It could be a financial thing. It could be something with your children that you think nobody else has faced because it's so bizarre, so strange. And we're finding that as we open up to people, we're finding that other people are going through, if not the exact same thing, very similar things. And so what we're proposing to you this morning, and we talk about it all the time, is to get some friends in your life who you will be vulnerable to and you can risk hurt Because you want friendship bad enough, because you want to press on with God badly enough. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. In just a minute, we're going to read that, and then we're going to go to Galatians 6. So if you want to find both places, you can put one finger one place and one another place. But we're going to read Acts chapter 2, verse 46, and we're talking about being alone and cynical or being together and being vulnerable, And which is the better option? Well, I propose to you that for me and my house, we found that being vulnerable is far better. In Acts chapter 2, we we find the history of the church unfolding throughout the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, these believers that came to Christ that were filled with the Holy Spirit that we sang about this morning, their lives were transformed And they became a community of believers that gathered together in the big. And they grew big together. And then they grew small together as well. Uh, In chapter 2 of Acts, verse 46, we read these words. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple. That's the big picture. That's growing big. Now, we know in um, 70 AD, Roman Emperor Titus sacked Jerusalem, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temples... And so these edifices like we have here were no longer an option for them, but they were at this particular time in history. And it says this. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, growing big, growing small, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So there was the temple gathering. There was a growing big together. That's what we do on Sundays. And then there was a gathering together in homes. Now, my wife and I, ever since we've been married, we've been practicing this in in New York State, in the state of North Carolina, in the country of South Africa. Wherever we were, we opened up our home to have people in our home. Some of them knew Jesus. Some of them didn't know Jesus and later came to know Jesus. Some of them to this day still have not come to know Jesus, but we opened up our home, and we became a part of these smaller groups. Now, everyone understands the value of this at some level. Now, some of you that are hearing this message this morning, some of you that are sitting here this morning, maybe you're not really that churched. You know, you, you've, you're here today, and we're so glad for it, but you didn't grow up in church. It's not really that big of a part of a deal in your life. But even if church is not, you understand on some level the value of small groups. That's why bars are so full of people. Now, I don't think, I'm going to clarify right up front, I don't think a bar is a place for a Christian. I just think the atmosphere is too wrong, too tempting. I think you need to find places to, to meet with people that are lost and don't know Jesus. But if when you come to know Jesus, your environment needs to change and it needs to become healthy. And so, But people, I understand why people go to bars. They spend a lot of money there on stuff that's not so good for them and end in not such good condition often. But the reason they do it is they understand the need for connection. There's some people there that they can maybe after a few drinks and fortunately if we have the spirit of God in our life we shouldn't need a few drinks to be able to open up. But people, they open up after a while to people and they they draw in with people of smaller group because they need to not be isolated. They need people that can connect with them, even if it's around a drink. Also, the gym. The gym is an environment to get fit, but the gym is also an environment to to gather with friends who are similar-minded about uh, getting their body in shape and working together. Of course, I know you ladies, sometimes you're afraid of some of the creepy guys that just hang around to watch you work out so you got to be careful but there's something about gathering together in a place with other people whether it's a bar or a gym or a club Trekkies Star Trek people that dress up really weird and every time a new Star Trek movie comes out or a Star Wars movie these people they like go over the top but they're connecting with a small group of people Now, here's what I'm proposing to all of us when you come to Jesus Christ your life is transformed And transforming he's continuing to work out the life of Jesus Christ through you through his Holy Spirit that we sang about this morning he's changing you which means your environments need to change your friendships need to be altered now listen carefully I do not for one minute suggest that once you become a Christian you leave all your lost friends who do not know Jesus in the lurch because they need Jesus and you're the bridge to get them over to Jesus You're the people that can connect with them. But you have to choose environments carefully. I knew this man back in uh, my college days who would go to the the strip bars and clubs and he would preach to people there with a good intention apparently, but the environment was so tempting that over time he succumbed to the temptations of that environment. Same is true of a bar environment. Same is true of a lot of environments where Really, the devil is controlling the agenda, not God. So, Christian people, listen, your environment needs to change when you come to Christ. You need to find ways to minister to people. You need to get them in your home. We had, as missionaries, and this was a little controversial, as missionaries in Johannesburg, South Africa, we were trying to reach people who didn't know Jesus. So, this one lady in our church, she had a husband who was not a Christian, and she was a Christian. And she said, "My, my husband really likes beers. And we, we just didn't drink at all and we, we just so what are we going to do and I said she said can he bring his beers to your house to your missionary home well you don't have to answer it loud but what would you say here's what I said sure I'm controlling the environment and some of you might disagree with this and that's perfectly fine you don't have to take my attack but my attack was you can't show a blind man a spot on the wall he has to get his sight first right You can't expect a non-Christian to live like a Christian. So he brought his craft beers to our home. And and to this day that I know of, he's not a Christian yet. But he, over time, with different people influencing his life, he's been opened up more and more and more. So controlling the environment. And some of you would say, well, I I wouldn't even allow that in my home. That's fine. You, You control the environment. But a Christian needs to be in an environment that's controlled and look for opportunities to witness to the lost But listen, your best friendships need to begin to develop with people of like faith. People who have the same priorities. People who have the same God. People who love Jesus. People who believe the Bible. People who are going to help you grow. And some of you, since you've crossed over the line of faith, you've never started making those new friendships. Your environment hasn't changed. Your friendships haven't changed. And you're suffering for it and you know it. You know that you're being dragged down, oftentimes, in a group to the lowest common denominator. So I'm saying to you, I'm challenging you, change your environment, look for ways to minister to the lost. You somehow bring them to an environment where you can influence them with light. But everybody understands the need for friendships. Now here's the verse that I think of a lot because I see a lot of people, and I see a lot of people on Facebook and people, even people on Facebook who, who aren't church and say, hey, we're checking in. We're so glad, we're so glad you're checking in for whatever reason. But I see people who have the gym environment right. They're working out. I see people who have their finances right and they're, they're getting out of debt and they're starting to be, uh, have some margin in their life to live financially and they're doing those things right. Their, their work life is right. Maybe their relationship life is right. But listen, here's a big, big problem for many people and probably for many here hearing this message. You haven't allowed the Holy Spirit of God to transform you, to transform your relationships, to transform your character, and to change your life. And you haven't prioritized the most important person into your life. And that's the God that created you. And here's what the Bible says. This is not going to be on the screen, but you can look at it later. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says this, and I think this often. What shall it profit a man or a woman if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Some of you have not prioritized the most important person into your life, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. Maybe a lot of things are working good in your life. Maybe things are really clicking along. Maybe you see yourself as problem-free. And that's why the Bible says, there's one reason the Bible says it's hard for a man who's wealthy, and that's pretty much all Americans, to get into the kingdom of God. In fact, he compares it to a camel going through the eye of a needle. It says it's difficult. Why? Because you don't feel the need for God. So anything in your life that's starting, starting to crumble around you and help you realize your need for God is ultimately a good thing. Because if you have everything else in your life right, but you don't have that right, then you're missing the main point. Now, let's turn to our main passage, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, remember Paul, the converted terrorist. This week, uh, we did some bombing in the area of Damascus in Syria. Paul was converted in that region of the world. He was on the road going to Damascus in Syria when he met Jesus. And he, he wrote about a third of the New Testament in Galatians chapter 6, he's given some advice to Christian people about the growing big and about growing small together. In Galatians 6, verse 1 it says this, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, and that doesn't mean perfect, that means you're you're trying to walk with God and you're struggling through too, but you, you got your mind on Christ. You who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself, or you should you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Another way to say that is motives. Check out your motives. When he can t- then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. So we're answering the question this morning, what can be accomplished in small groups? What can be accomplished... In a small group. What can be accomplished in a life group? With a group of people that you share faith and life together. That you live life together. Well, in the passage we just read, read, we can sum it up by the first major idea is this. What can be accomplished in a small group? Life-changing relationships are made. Would you write that down? Life-changing relationships are made. Now, wherever you are hanging out life-changing relationships are being made the question is is it for the good or for the bad are you being dragged down into a vortex of sin and corruption and getting further and further away from god are you hanging out with people as your primary friends in life who are helping you in your quest to grow in your relationship with god so life-changing relationships are made let's look at this text again verse one says if someone's caught in a sin you who are spiritual should restore him so under life-changing relationships that are made, one thing that can happen is that you can experience restoration. It says if anyone is caught in a sin. Yesterday in Iron Man, Pastor Chris was leading us through uh, a book of, the book of James. And the Bible talks about temptation and a snare. And the language that he uses is the language of a hunter or a fisher. With a fisherman, you use what? To catch fish. Lures. You lure the fish towards you with something shiny. And Jeff Foxworthy says... Rednecks love shiny stuff, right? We love shiny stuff. A shiny bass boat, a shiny fishing lure, and all the things that go along with it. Well, the fisherman knows to lure the fish in with something that's shiny. And the hunter, hunters use what? If you're going to go duck hunting, what are you going to use? I know some of you are thinking gun, but that's not really where I'm going with that. You know, guns don't kill people. Hunters kill people. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, where do we go with that? They use decoys, right? You're going to put a fake duck out there or a fake turkey. I saw somebody calling in a a big tom this week online. And he had a decoy out there, and he was calling this tom. And then the next, well, you know what the next picture was. It was not pleasant for the tom. All right, decoys and lures. That's what the devil uses to draw us in. And the Bible says if anyone is lured in, is decoyed in to sin... That if you're hanging out with some people that love you and care for you and they're watching your life and have their eyes on you and when you miss church, they know it. You know, I, I, I get kind of pastors, especially lead pastors in, in the southern United States, they get criticized like, well, I was in the hospital and never nobody ever comes, came to see me. Well, first of all, are you in a life group so people know you? No. Well, did you call and let us know? No. Well, we're not really good mind readers. But listen, if you're in a life group that's connecting with you every week and you're missing... People are going to know. They're going to call you. They're going to be on your team because they have their eyes on your life. And, and when you start to get away, now this, okay, you got to be vulnerable. If you want to carry on being decoyed and being lured in and being trapped in your sin, then by all means carry on without this. But here he says that if you want a life-changing relationships and you want to experience restoration, you got to be together with people. Then look at verse 2. It says, carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. So we experience restoration in life-changing relationships and we carry each other's burdens. I don't know about you, but there's burdens in my life that are way, way too heavy for me to carry by myself. You've got them too. You might not really want anybody looking into your heart let me tell you, you need some people. I've got people looking into my heart every week. Our staff for one. Our pastors. We open our hearts and bear our hearts, and it's vulnerable because then people see you're flawed and you're weak and you suffer and you're scared and you worry about your family members who are far away. But listen, it's too heavy a burden to carry. You say, well, I got the Lord. Well, you certainly do. He's the greatest burden bearer, but he made us... To bear one another's burdens. That's what that verse says. Who's bearing your burden with you every week? Burden bearers. We experience life-changing relationships. We experience restoration in those relationships. We carry each other's burdens. And then verses 3 and 4, we analyze motives. If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself. So the idea here is analyzing our motives. What are we really about? You say, Well, I just follow my heart. Well, that's a really sorry thing to follow. What does the Bible say about the heart? Who knows? Who knows that verse? Say it out loud, really loud for the hearing impaired. Yeah, your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You need people helping you with your motives and with your life and getting you back on track when you fall. And when you get lured in, say, whoa, 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 that's a decoy. The devil, the roaring lion, he's waiting to pounce on you. We need to bear one another's burdens. And the Bible says, so fulfill the law of Christ. So life-changing relationships occur in life groups and living life together. Experiencing restoration, carrying burdens, analyzing motives of our heart, helping us to stay on track look at Ephesians chapter 4 keep your finger in Galatians chapter 6 but turn for a minute to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 Paul also wrote this passage to a group of Christian people in Ephesus and he said this instead speaking the truth in love and sometimes that's hard to do sometimes we want to just love people without speaking the truth sometimes we speak the truth harshly without love this is the great balance that we work on as a team here speaking the truth in love We will in all things grow up into him who's the head that is Christ from him. The whole uh, body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up as each part of the body does. So there we have the picture of a whole body. And then we have the picture of individual parts and ligaments and joints and tendons. The older you get, the more you understand about how many body parts you have because they all start hurting, right? I even talked to Dustin. Dustin was doing some yard work this week. And uh, he said, man, I, 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 we, said, we both said we're glad we don't have to do that for a living. But he said, man, I didn't even want to get up the next morning. I saw. I'm thankful that young people feel this a little bit of what us older people feel, right? You know, the ligaments, the joints, the tendons, every part of the body is important. And so the big body and Growing small is a small body. That's why we offer these courses, these classes, these next step classes. Every week we ask you to take a next step. The course, the class that we're teaching next week right after church, uh, there's a a potluck after church and after the potluck we're going to have the class. So bring a meal to, bring a dish to pass with something in it preferably and we're going to have a meal together. We're going to hang out and then if you haven't taken the the class, we want you to sign up for it today. The quickest way to do it right now is just put it on your connection card, put your name, and say so you want to take it. We'll have materials ready for you next week. But this is all about learning your shape and how you fit into the family of God. Pastor Chris taught it last summer. Excellent, excellent class about how to grow in Christ and to step up. You know, our, our core values are speak up, step up, grow up. This is step up how to serve together in the body of christ and bear burdens so every joint every ligament is important so what can be accomplished in life groups life-changing relationships are made we experience restoration we carry burdens we analyze motives now back to our text galatians chapter 6 verse 6 anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor do not be deceived god cannot be mocked a man reaps what he sows The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. What can be accomplished in small groups and life groups is that the mission and the vision are fulfilled. We said in the big group Sunday morning we get a vision, we get a mission. We have a 3M vision to reach a thousand people as soon as possible in our county and then to keep going. We're reaching that many between the people that are here every week and the people that watch online. We're reaching over 1,000 people every week. But we want them here so that they can connect and they can grow. Mission and vision are fulfilled as we receive instruction and we share it with other people and we sow the seed. One of the things I love about Samaritan's Purse right here in our county, we got a lot of people in our church. Pilots, business people, IT people that work for Samaritan's Purse. One thing I love about it, Franklin Graham, he's always writing and he's writing about the urgency of the message i think as churches we've lost a sense of urgency every day thousands and thousands of people perish and go into eternity without jesus christ well we want to see life-changing relationships made, and we, we want to see the mission fulfilled. That is, we want to get the gospel out, and we we figure out what the vision is here, and then during the week in life groups, we figure out how to carry it out. So every life group is encouraged every semester to have some sort of service project in the community and to reach out with the message, the mission, the mission and the vision are fulfilled and carried out. Our purpose is filled out. What is your mission? What is your vision? How are you reaching lost people? Well, we come together and we learn how to do that. A good passage on that is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 says this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself. That means he brought us back through what he did on the cross for us. Our cross is still not there. He reconciled us to himself through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's to you and me. He came, he died on the cross, was buried, rose again for us. And now he left the world and he said, you are my hands and feet. You got the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world in himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and has committed to us. This is our mission. This is our vision. This is our purpose. This is what we need to work out together, small groups together, how we can fulfill this purpose and mission. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. Never thought of yourself as an ambassador, did you? We are ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. We have an urgent message. The people that you know, the people in your sphere of influence at your work, in your cubicle at work, and, and the people that you work out with in the gym, and the people that you buy your groceries from, and the people that you mix with during the week socially, If you don't share the gospel, the ministry of reconciliation with them, how are they going to hear? So we're talking about gathering together as a team of 10 or 12 people during the week so that we can say, okay, how are we going to reach our community? How are we going to get the word out every week? Now back to our text, Galatians chapter 6. So what can be accomplished in small groups and life groups? Life-changing relationships are made. Uh, Mission and vision are fulfilled. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, let us not be weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity to do, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are the family of believers. So he says, do good to all people, but this here, this family. And we break up into smaller families during the week so that we can't care for each other and look after each other and hear from each other and pray for each other. We care for them especially. There's people hurting in this church. Uh, tried to find Junior yesterday. I understand Junior. He's had brain surgery. He had another surgery this week. We need to pray for Junior. We have families in our church who this week, their, their, their pet was in the hospital, very dear to them, about to lose the pet, and we pray together for them. We've got people in this church who are looking for jobs and career moves and changes. We've got people in this church whose relationships are falling apart and they need help. We need each other. And when we refrain from that, when we stop gathering in the big and growing big, and we stop growing small, we lose hope. It says, let us not become weary in doing good in verse 9. How many of you have ever been really weary? Raise your hand. How many of you have been weary this week? Raise your hand. Man, the older I get, the tighter I get. Man, I'm telling you, I'm weary. But there's something rejuvenating about when we come together and we grow big together. And when I get together with my life group on Mondays, by the way, we have room for a couple more right now because Catherine's having some medical stuff done. In our life groups, there's room in life groups for more people, some of them. We want you to come. When I gather with them, I'm refreshed. I'm encouraged. We eat together. And we eat good. We eat well. We eat good things, and we eat them well. (laughs) We have a good time. And we share burdens, and we share requests. And Barbara Van Meter always tells jokes on her husband, Carol. We have fun. We love it. It's not a chore that we dread. It's something that we look forward to. So here it says, let's not be weary doing good. We all get weary, and we need people to help shoulder the burden with us. And let's not give up. And let's do good to one another. What can be accomplished in a small group? Life-changing relationships are made. Mission and vision are fulfilled. And lastly, faith, hope, and love explode. Faith, hope, And love explode. That is a reckless love like we sing about. Where God came after us, Jesus Christ came after us recklessly. And some people don't like that term about God. God was reckless? Well, here's what he means. The writer of that song explained what he meant. He meant that God spared no expense. He came at great risk. He sent his son at great risk to take all the sins of this world of you and me upon himself on the cross. He came recklessly, not caring for himself, but he laid his life down for us. And that's what God wants to see in our lives. Reckless love for each other. Faith, hope, and love all exploding. In Hebrews chapter 3. We're not sure who the writer of Hebrews was, but God, writing through some prophet, writes these words in chapter 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. Now, he's writing to Christian people. See to it that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's Deceitfulness. It says an unbelieving heart of sin. Now we're getting really narrow to what God wants to say to us today. How many of you, in some area of your life, people online, people that are watching the message on Facebook or watching it on our website later, listen... I believe that many of you, and probably all of us to some degree or another, have an area of our life where we're hardened right now by sin. We've become bitter. There's somebody that we refuse to forgive. And the Bible says, Jesus says, forgive others as we forgive our debtors. Some of you have allowed bitterness to creep into your life. And you you've become hardened by that. You you stand back and you don't want to engage with people. And you haven't. Some of you online maybe have even trouble coming here because of some hardened place in your life through sin. And you're holding people at a distance and you're refusing relationships because you've been burned before. And you you're keeping everybody at a distance, even your children. Even your wife, even your husband, even your parents or your brother had a guy in you in South Africa. He said he hadn't spoken to his brother for 17 years. Hardened. Some of you this morning are hardened by sin. Some relationship that you know is inappropriate. Some website that you absolutely know That when you go there, you're going down the wrong hole of sin away from God. And you're going to be hardened just that much more to your wife or your future wife. Some of you are hardened because of financial lack of wisdom. I've been there. Too much debt, not enough income, more outgo than income. And you're stressed and you're fighting about it all the time. And God said right along, hey... Be careful about taking on debt. Avoid debt at all costs because you're the, a slave. Some of you are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin that somebody in church somewhere, some pastor, some preacher, some youth pastor, some person in the church, somebody that you knew and loved and trusted has hurt you and you've hardened yourself and you say, I'm never going to let it happen again now. So you become an isolated and bitter Some of you are hardened through the deceitfulness of sin and unbelief and not trusting God for your everyday needs. You're just anxious all the time. You have to take a pill to get up. You have to take a pill to go to bed. have to drink something to get to bed and get peace in your life. And you're not letting the peace of God ruin your heart. You become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Some of you have been hardened by gossip. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And some of you... Just look for every opportunity to nail somebody with something and create rifts and divisions. What is it that's hardened you today? We gather big, we grow big, we grow small, all to help keep each other from being hardened. And it says, let's do good to each other and let's encourage one another while it's called today So that we may not be hardened. In John chapter 13 verse 34 says this. A new commandment. This is Jesus giving this. A new commandment. I give you love one another. Now he said. They said in the scriptures all along to love people. So how is this a new commandment? It's a new degree. It's a new degree of commandment. To love as Jesus loved. Sacrificially. Sacrificially unselfishly. A new degree of loving. Jesus said. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The trademark of a true follower of Jesus is a heart of love. It's not necessarily emotion that comes with it sometimes. Sometimes later, But it's an action verb. It's doing and loving together, living life together, letting people in, becoming vulnerable so that you're not isolated, becoming repentant over your sin so that God can soften your heart and give you a heart of flesh and a heart that responds to Him and to other people lovingly. Love one another. We love big, we love small. Can I ask you a question? I think this is, I shared this with my wife last night. She she said, that's really good. What 10 people are praying for you this week? My first cousin one time said to me, you know, when you see people out in the community or you pass somebody in the car or whatever, you need to pray for that person because that might be a person that nobody has ever, ever prayed for in their entire life. Our life group has a prayer request sheet on realm and every week somebody prepares that and we've got 17 people in our life group 17 people that are praying for each other who's praying for you this week who's holding your hand and holding you up and lifting up like Aaron and her in the Old Testament they held up the prophet Moses' hands in the battle they held him up because he was too weary to hold him up who's holding you up are you isolated and alone And then finally, 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 says this. 1 John, way in the end of your New Testament, just before the book of Revelation and Jude. Dear friends, 1 John 4, 11 and 12. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Are you alone and cynical? Or are you vulnerable together with other people? Chris Roberts shared an illustration yesterday in Iron Man that I loved. I thought, oh, I'm going to use that tomorrow. A lobster. You know, a lobster gets to a certain size and then he outgrows his shell. He's comfortable in the shell, but he's growing uncomfortable. So there comes a point in his life, and God's designed it this way. It didn't happen by accident over years of evolutionary figuring it out. God's God made him this way, and he sheds that shell at a certain time. And during that time, when his shell is off until he grows a new bigger shell, he's vulnerable. It's hard to crack open a lobster. I've heard comedians talk about the lobster. The lobster really is a, the cockroach of the ocean. He said, "God put it down at the bottom of the ocean and put a hard shell on it, and still we try to eat it." You know, but he becomes vulnerable when he sheds his shell and grows into a, grows himself a bigger shell. There's something about connecting big and connecting small that makes us vulnerable. But if you want to grow, it's not an option to not connect big and small. Alone and cynical or together and vulnerable. Would you write this down as the next step for this week? I will risk loving relationships over lonely seclusion. Man, that is good. Pastor Brian wrote that so I can brag on it. He's supposed to preach this today, but he had to have a baby. We're so happy for them. I will risk loving relationships over lonely seclusion. Reckless love. No holding back. Jesus did that. Some of you... And some of you watching online have been in church all of your life, but you've never become vulnerable. You've never shed your shell and made yourself open and vulnerable. And you become crotchety and old and grumpy and gripey and nobody can ever do it right and nobody can ever please you. Jesus held nothing back. He was vulnerable so that we could be healed of our sin. What are you holding back today? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I I feel a sense we we sang about the Holy Spirit. I feel the Holy Spirit's doing some work in that part about hardening your heart. Some of you, even people who are good, faithful church members, there's still some hard spot, some stony spot in your heart Something you have been unwilling to become vulnerable before God and others with. And you're holding on to it and it's stunted your growth. You can't get out of that shell until you repent and you walk away and you become vulnerable before God. And you know what it is. Some of you have held on to that bitterness and that, or become more and more greedy and dissatisfied with what God's given you. Some of you have just... Stop growing. You've stunted your growth because of sinful habits in your life. Some of you for, will not forgive other people. Here's what God's asking you to do. I believe this morning, based upon His Word, here's what I'm asking you to do. Would you do business with God right now? Whatever it is that's made your heart cold and stony and hard and standoffish, would you say, God, I want you to forgive me right now? Whatever it is, all over this room, on the Internet, Right now, before God, say, God, please take, and then list it before God. List your sin. God, take that away from me. You've been dealing with me about it a while. Lord, forgive me and cleanse me. Lord, I want to be fresh. I want to grow. I want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be old and crotchety and alone. God, refresh me. God, forgive me. I repent. I turn away, and I turn to you. Some of you have never turned your life over to God initially. You've never experienced what Jesus called the new birth, being born again. And today could be the day of your salvation. Right where you sit, would you pray to God? Dear God, I cry out to you. Would you come into my life? Forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. And I don't understand everything about it, but I believe it. And I ask you to come into my life and forgive me. Give me new life like these people that were baptized today have received new life by receiving Christ. Today, Lord, I ask you to come into my life. Would you do right now what you'll be glad you've done when you stand before God? There's people, our care team are here. A few of them will be in the hallway to meet you. If you want to pray with somebody, you have a special need, they'll be there for you. But you do today what you'll be glad you've done when you stand before God. God, make us vulnerable. Jesus name we pray Amen we just you-